0: gig gab the working musicians podcast episode number 111 all ones for uh well a date that only has a few ones monday april 17th 2017 <laughs> Folks, and welcome to Gig Gab, the podcast by for and about working musicians here in Durham, New Hampshire. I'm Dave Hamilton.
1: You're in Los Gatos, California. It's Paul Kent. How goes it, Mr. Kent? <laughs> it goes well, Mr. Hamilton. How goes it for you?
0: Uh, I'm starting a uh, two-week craziness thing, musically anyway, in terms of um, uh, we've got... Uh, Sort of a, a reprise a production of Bitter Pill happening about an hour away. Uh, that's this weekend. So we're doing uh, shows Thursday, Friday, and then two on Saturday night, an 8 p.m. show and then a 10.30 p.m. show.
1: Uh, at a What's your area. call for things like that?
0: Uh, for an 8 p.m. show, my call will be 7 o'clock. I mean, maybe even 7.30. But, you know, usually the house opens a half hour before, you know, the, the curtain. So if I want to get in there and do anything, I, I want to be in there before the
1: house opens. An hour. What time you leave the house? 5.30? Uh, what time will you leave the house? It's an hour away.
0: Yeah, if it's an hour away. Yeah, it, I mean, it's certainly by six, I would leave the house. I, if Well, for tonight, I got to load in, so that's a much different thing, but, um, and then we'll do a, a rehearsal. But um, if I know that I'm like totally good, to, like once a show starts and I'm really comfortable and everything has just become like plug and play... Um, I would cut it close. I would be willing to cut it close and leave it like six to be there for seven. And if I hit traffic and I'm not there till seven fifteen or seven 20 or whatever, I'm okay with that. Right. You know, if I don't get yeah. much time in the house before the, before the house opens, uh, that's fine. But if it's opening night, no, no, I don't like, yeah. Five 30 would be probably the latest. I No, yeah. I don't want to, I, I, I am not someone that likes to get to a gig at the last minute, regardless. It's just, I, I prefer to get there and get set up and then, you know, and then relax a little bit and, and, uh, and then play. How
1: quick are you, uh, this goes for band gigs as well. Yeah. Do you start tearing down the second you're done or do you go get a drink and relax for a little bit or, you know, what's your tear down?
0: Yeah. Band I, gigs. I, if, if the, if it's appropriate and this would be true of any gig, it's more appropriate to band gigs than, than theater gigs. Sometimes, sometimes with theater gigs, you have to kind of get up and go say hi or whatever. But, um, but with band gigs, I won't even get up from my stool. I will immediately start like, you know, I uh, untangling my microphone cable and, and pulling that down. And because if I get up, it it like it feels like that process takes forever to once it's like to come yeah. back and start it. It's like, no, no, no I'm just going to do it right from here. And uh, yeah, no, I, I like to get packed up right away.
1: Yeah. Bar gigs. Um, it's interesting. I'm like that, you know, as soon as the last note is done, say thank you. And then, you know, I actually start wrapping cables and and moving stuff around. Yeah. Nick who, you know, he's got two keyboards. He's got a full rack of gear. He's got almost as much
0: gear as a drummer. Yeah.
1: That's right. And, and, but he, uh, I've never seen him start to tear down right after a gig. He goes, gets a drink. says hi to some people, he needs to decompress for a while and, um, and that's him. Joe, Joe takes a little bit less time he'll, he'll get down, he might take a couple symbols down right after the last beat but you know he'll he'll stretch he'll walk around a little bit and then he'll come tear down but I always go right to it right you know especially it. bar gigs where it's already late but yeah. but Nick no matter what kind of gig it is it's always interesting to me he needs that kind of mental you know a couple seconds you know no more than that a couple minutes yeah. to just kind of like get out of performance mode and get back into you know tear down mode yeah i i
0: i actually i need that same time and I find that tearing down is, is like, is perfect for that because it, I can, I can tear down mindlessly. I mean, I've done it, you know, I don't, I don't want to count how many times I've done it, right. You know, I know what to do. And so it's just like, I can go on autopilot now. I don't have to be in performance mode and that's kind of a nice cool down for me is just doing it. And then without even thinking about it, cause I'm, you know, thinking about the gig or whatever, and it's all sort of happening still very quickly in my head. And without thinking about it, all of a sudden, you know, my stuff's like, oh, it's like, hey, I'm almost ready to go. That's awesome. People always ask me or not always, but if people come up and ask me what, uh, you know, can I help you with tearing down? It's hard to help a drummer if you don't know the system. Right. But, you know, for loading out, certainly, you know, it's just humping gear to a car. But um, but if people come up and ask me while I'm, you know, while I'm tearing down and packing things, you know, kind of into their cases, my response is always yeah just stand here and talk with me because that way it'll distract me and now I'm good to go you know I won't even it's like I won't even remember packing it yeah it's perfect yeah yeah
1: so that's really cool I I had an interesting thought I, I played a new song so I heard a song this week and I wanted to do it so I had an acoustic gig this weekend and I, and I tried it out and the yeah. song is the song is Elton John's Rocket Man. great oh, great yeah. song fun song great song fun yeah. song And uh, I played it solo acoustic this week, but um, what I heard it that kind of got me back on it again was I heard a band do it. And it was actually, you know, I'm a big Ryan Adams fan. Yeah. And Ryan Adams was sitting in with somebody and they played this. I I don't know all the context of the performance, but, um, you know, whether it was a planned sit-in or what the deal was, but it sounded like it was pretty casual. But they played this song and it rocked. It was really awesome. But it got me thinking about something. Can you picture the drum part in your head?
0: Yeah, I've played it before. I play it more acoustic than than electric, but I have played it electric. Yeah.
1: So so the question is this. The drums fall out completely and then come back in for the choruses. Right. Right. Yeah. All right. So it dawns on me. One of the things I love in the type of music that I listen to. So, again, I'm more like that kind of. Petty Springsteen Mellencamp roots rock stuff. Yep. And, and, you know, I love the sound of guitars in that music. And I, I love the, you know, obviously I love the lyrics and the, and the storytelling in it. But one thing about the feel of that music is the way that that music kind of builds up tension and releases tension is really what, you know, does it for me. Right. Dead.
0: Okay. Yeah, sure. That makes sense.
1: Yeah. So, so I was thinking about this, the, the way that those drums do it. If you didn't know the drum part, um, and you were just listening along, and you know, it was a jam, right? You would probably keep some kind of time, you know, on a hi hat or something in between. You probably wouldn't fall out completely. That wouldn't dawn on you in a jam, right? No, it wouldn't. You're totally right about that.
0: Yeah, it would. But it, if, you keep keep something going. Obviously, bigger. The choruses are are sound bigger, so you play them bigger. But but yeah, I would keep some sort of time during the verses if I didn't know specifically not to, and right. even if I knew specifically not to depending on the band and how, like how well everyone else on stage knows the song. And also is the crowd like moving and locked in because sometimes then it is important to just keep a groove going. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, you know, like I said, I, we 10 piece band, we make a lot of noise. I value space Mm -hmm. highly. And uh, it dawns on me that like, if I was to put together another band I wonder if one of the ways that I would audition people for that band was their sense of space for those types of things. So, so the question is, you know, like there's a lot of times when I just want silence. Um, but you know, I played with drummers and and they'll just keep even a light hi hat or something just to keep time. Yeah. Is it hard for a drummer to fall out completely? Um, unnatural? It's
0: unnatural. Sure. Yeah, for sure. Because you know, it. it and I've said it on the show before, you learn a lesson early on. There's one person on stage that can end a song and it's the drummer, right? And if the drummer stops playing, everything ends. And, and so now having that in your back pocket as a songwriter, right. Or as a performer, you can use that as a technique to just like you're saying, create some space and then bring it back in. And obviously, you know, a song like rocket man, it works really, really well. So you, you, you have to trust as a drummer I would never drop out if I didn't trust that the band was going to keep things moving. Mm. Right. You know, because there's I see that as one of I mean, it's everybody's job to keep things on, you know, keep the train on the tracks. And if I trust that the other people are going to keep the train on the tracks, then fine. You know, they know I'm going to drop out. They're not going to stop right do you know that the drums drop out here because that's important for you to know and just as it's important for me to know because otherwise if i stop you might turn around and be like dude what happened you know yeah. and and so so there's the, the, that's a that's a complex question yeah mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Well, so like I said, this is one of those things about um, whether. Remember last week I was talking about how nice it is when you play with people who have the same musical dictionary as you. They yeah. listen to the same music. You know. So this is um, maybe not the same musical dictionary, but the same sense of. I guess that's what all rock music is, right? It, it's it's tension and release, right? Mm-hmm. And I it really is um, powerful to me when I come across people who have that same sense people who can do a build with you to, you know, in the same way you do like, what we, was it? Was it that crazy song? Um, because the night was that the, the tackle song yeah. where there was a build, right? Right. And something different happened at the end of that build. Now, again, there's, there's intuition and there's on stage nonverbal communication. Right. And then there's just, you know, the leader not being clear about what he wants. Right. I mean, right. gonna, so, but I was, I was thinking that that in addition to having someone who people who, share that same kind of sense of music with me in terms of style, whether that might be an interesting way to determine if someone is someone you want to play with is do they get those nonverbal things? Well, do they have the same sense of tension? Cause those are, those are um, like, if you're a metal drummer, that's a very different thing than if you're a roots rock drummer, right?
0: Well, I mean, I, yeah. It, and certainly there are some people that pigeonhole themselves. It doesn't matter the instrument into specific styles of music, And certainly people that do that can, it's not always the case, but can become, you know, experts at that type of music. I am not an expert at playing metal, but I can play it. I mean, I've played plenty of it. Um, But I'm not, you know, I would be surprised if somebody called me as the first name on the list, like, hey, man, I'm putting together a metal band. (laughs) You know, I don't I don't play that stuff all that often. I play it in the context of other gigs and it comes up sometimes. Sure. But, you know, I also don't have the hair or anything like that. So (laughs) I mean, it's it's but you're right. Yeah. Some like you, you pick you have to pick based on that.
1: Cool. Yeah. Well, yeah, that was just something I'm thinking is like, that's one way to tell if someone is a musical bro, you know, whether they have the same sense. Yeah. One would be if they're listening to the same genre of music or they have the same affinity or depth of knowledge, because that's the thing we were talking about. Uh, I was saying, you know, when I started the band, I wanted to play all Southside Johnny stuff. Right. But it never felt right to me. And I had to just like, even though the notes were right, the feel was wrong. And I had to I had to you know, deliver, you know, some people. Some people just take someone who can fill the chair. They're good enough. They can play the instrument and I'll have a band. You know, I don't have a lot of choices here and I want to get going. So, you know, there's only seven bass players in town. You know, he might not be the best, but he can do a good enough job. Some people are are that level of discerning. Some people are like, you know, I want the best musician possible. Can he read? Does he know theory? You know, all these types of things. Some people, you know, to me, you know, all those things are important. But I think feel is that intangible thing that goes a long way with me.
0: Yep. I'm 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 with you on this. I mean there again depending on the gig there are certain skills that are potentially required, right? Like for a theater gig. If I was putting together a band or I'm asked to recommend someone, it's like, well, they need to be able to read yeah. Without, I don't care how good your feel is. If you sure. can't read, you're not gonna, like, in the two weeks that you have between now and opening night, it ain't gonna come together. There's just, yep. you know, chances are you're not gonna intuit your way magically through this when there's changes that aren't intuitive, right? So, uh, so there's that kind of stuff. But once you get past that, then it's, it's feel, but it's also, you know, personality is there. And I think at it, it, some level, you're talking about personality and, and some of it's that, that per you know, that non-musical personality, but also your, your musical personality. Like, are you, you know, can you pay attention? Can you change? Are you amenable to all that stuff? And that's all yeah. just one. I've always thought of it as just one big conversation. And and some of my favorite band rehearsals are those where, you know, we get here and start chit chatting or whatever as people are kind of getting their instruments tuned up or whatever. And everybody's sort of at their stations and then somebody'll start playing a song and the the verbal conversation just becomes the musical conversation and it's this very sort of natural evolution into it and i always i always kind of like that because it's you know there's no okay let's stop talking let's start playing sometimes that happens obviously but i, I you know if the if the vibe is laid back, laid back enough for everybody to just kind of you know talk and chit chat. And then suddenly the, the chit chat is musical. It's like, Oh, that's yep. pretty
1: good. Yeah, when yeah. was the last time in a band you were in that you, you and the band were auditioning and you had you no, know, like you just auditioned for a band and right. fling has pretty much been fling since you joined it. Right.
0: Um, we brought in a, 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 a bass player. In fact, we had a few bass players until we settled on, on Burke, who has been with us for a long, long time. So, but that happened after I joined. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. So, was that your question?
1: <laughs> well, no, my question was, um, do you remember being discerning when, you know, like how many people, how many other people auditioned when Burke auditioned?
0: Right. So we auditioned quite a few bass players and we settled on one and then we realized we didn't really, it, it wasn't a good fit. And that's after that I met Burke and it was like, Hey, maybe you should come by sometime and we should play and see how that goes. And, and so it was, it was, that was sort of serendipity that just made that happen with, uh, with him. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: I was thinking about, you know, when Simon (laughs) in our band, the one, um, the one rotating position has been rhythm guitarist. right? Mm -hmm. We've been through more of those than anything else. Simon has had the gig and he's going to have the gig forever. I mean, he's really a great fit. We've had guys who weren't good enough players. We've had guys who um, style wise, weren't getting the nuances. Um, We've had guys who personality wise didn't, didn't fit, you know, painful things to find but but in terms of a spinal tap you know a role in our band yeah. it's, been, it's been the rhythm guitarist and um uh thinking this conversation through knowing what i know now i mean simon was a little bit of that after we had a bad personality fit before simon yeah. and and um so that was actually now at the top of the list of things as long as the guy can play yeah. we got the benefit that simon came from you know an east coast gb background and he knew the drill and he knew that he knew the tunes and his time to get together was actually pretty was was pretty low. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. It, it's interest. It is interesting, though, how you you know, you have your list of criteria that's important to you and and the order in which that is organized in terms of priority changes dramatically based on exactly what you just said, where you experience something and then now you have to. OK, we need we can't deal with that again. So, yeah, maybe we can. And I'm not saying I mean, Simon can play. Right. But, you know, you, you were in a position where you had a bad personality fit. So it's like, OK, personality is the most important thing. If we don't like his guitar tone, well, that's OK. You know, we we, we can fix that. We can overlook that. We can overlook. That. And then. But the problem is, of course, if that is something that's important to you, you can't overlook it for very long. You know? So that's when you get those little nudging things like, Hey man, no, this is great. Oh, it's so good to have you. And all that, Mm. but they, um, you know, just on that, on that tune and pretty much all the songs, but pretty much on that one song, (laughs) you know, there's just a thing about your guitar tone. It has to change entirely, you know, (laughs) that, that kind of stuff winds up happening, uh, anytime it's tough. Bringing a new member into a band, I think is the most is the riskiest, most, sure. most uh, fragile a band can be. And it doesn't matter how good that new player is. It And I said this a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about Uptown Celebration, you know, it changes everything, not just for the new person coming in. Everybody. And this is true of every single band. I don't care If you grew up together, it might be more so if you grew up together, but you there are things and it's true of any relationship at all. It's a compromise. It's a it's a long series of mutual compromises where. This other person or these four other people or these nine other people aren't exactly the automatons that you would create in your little lab, right? They are other human beings. And so you learn to accept the things you like about them and the things that if given the chance you would change about them. Right. But you just, you, at some level you learn to accept it all. And, and it's like, okay, great. We have person a in that role and I like him or her in that role. And it's great. It really works for this band, you know, and then the same is true of person B and C and D, right? All that stuff. And now you replace person C. And so the whole thing gets reset because the new person C is now learning To get along and get to know all of the people that are there and all the little personality quirks or whatever musical quirks, whatever it is, all sort of you now have permission at some level, tacit permission, maybe (laughs) to re-explore all of that stuff. And, oh, you know, while we're going through this song, uh, yeah, you you know, the the new person doing just fine. But um, person A, could you... Try this a little bit differently. I know we've been doing it that way for whatever, 10 years, but uh, maybe it's time to change that, you know. And and so that's, I think, a huge part of why a band is so fragile at when you bring in that new member initially.
1: Well, let me challenge that. So here's the deal. <clears throat> <clears throat> this is this whole leader versus democracy. Thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, a good leader, I would think, would a be discerning about who he brings in the band be realistic about what he's getting when he brings that person in the band and um, do his best to bring out the thing that that guy does best. Yeah. And, you know, be realistic about the way to deal with the stuff that's really important to him. Right. Uh, of course. So, yeah, yeah. So, you know, in that in that four step process, there's there's I'll, I'll give you an example. I have a buddy who has a band, but not really. He um, he's not a great band leader and he doesn't um, he doesn't do a good job of connecting people. Now the guy plays over a hundred gigs a year with his band. He probably plays 60 gigs a year. He's got work. And, um, you know, he went the path of getting some, um, okay players. Sure. And, uh, but part of the okay players is that they didn't see themselves as working musicians. And for whatever reason, they didn't take the commitment seriously. They were never able to rehearse. They were, you know, all these types of things. He's a good singer and people like seeing him, him perform and he's tried a bunch of different formulas for it you know trying to like he just doesn't have the personality to say listen i'm the leader and this is the way it's going to be that's just not the way he's wired sure of course
0: yeah now so he's, he's just now got he's, he's just got different hired guns essentially from probably from you know one big pool but different hired guns for each gig
1: well that's it it's kind of gotten to that. So, you know, sure. I have coffee with him all the time and he's like, what do you think I should do? And we kind of talked through it and I'm like, well, listen, the band has, it's the band is named after him. Okay. So, so I'm like, listen, people are coming to see you. So, you know, part of the thing is you're too nice a guy and you share the wealth a little too much with people who are not committed to you. They may not be there the next time. Right. So why on earth would you do that? So that that's one thing. So I suggested a, get your book together, get an A team, a B team and a C team on each instrument And don't sweat, you know, because this angst you're feeling about about putting a band together, you know, for whatever reason, it's not happening that way for you, your approach to it, the people you're surrounding you with. And I saw him the other night and he had, you know, now he goes the other way and now he'll hire some of the best cats in town and his band sounds really good. They're not super tight, you know, in that they catch every every stop and, you know, that type of thing. Right. But but they're really good players and um, and they get. They get pretty far down the line. So he's kind of gone the other way of saying, like, listen, I'm going to do my thing. And rather than go through this pain of continuously replacing people, because I don't think he could afford those guys on a 100 a, on percent a basis. Right. Got it. Yep, It's got to be the right so gig or whatever. It's, yeah. Exactly. So, you know, he's got an 18 for the because he comes across some pretty good paying gigs. And like I said, he plays. He works. Yeah. And um, but so he's gone the other way. So he's like, I'm going to stop playing this game with myself of trying to find that intricate nuance of, of personalities that are going to fit together for the whole. Yeah. He just wants
0: to keep the train on the tracks and it doesn't matter who's on the train,
1: which is a business plan, right? Totally. We don't, we never, we don't really talk about our bands in terms of business plans, No, but, but it is, yeah. it is an approach. Right. Yeah,
0: Cause right. Because if, if it's, if it's the other way where it's like, no, I want to present a band and don't get me wrong. There's a lot of benefit to that. Um, yeah. the, the problem is if it crumbles, you're starting from scratch I mean, and really it's over. Like, I mean, <laughs>
1: you know, if it falls apart, deal. Falls nobody will apart. ever be as invested in this as him. His name is on it. You know, that's the way it is. And so, you know, just getting his hands around that he's taken the path of doing that just by doing that to some degree, if you hire people who think they should be a front man who are going to say, well, I'll play with you, but I need to sing X percentage of the show. Right. You know, you've entered into a, a failing situation, Right.
0: Well, unless I mean, unless that's what you want them to do. But, well, yes. but I'm saying but, yeah. you
1: know, and that was one of the things that I well, did. I mean, did. Like, I hired like, like
0: what you have with Nick. Right. I mean, I don't know if Nick demand like I don't know what that negotiation was like, but the, the outcome of of him playing with you for as long as he has is he sings half the show or whatever the percentage is. But it would know, have
1: been a different conversation if it was the Paul Kent band, though. Right. Or if it was Paul in the House Rockers or something like that. So yeah, if, sure. if the approach to business was like right, no different models. Right. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm saying is, you know, you evaluate people and as a leader, if you have the ability to, um, you know, is it is it is it a leadership or is it a democracy? And if everybody's voting on things and then I, I, I yeah, fully see, you, agree you with you say that
0: a lot. I, I, I think I think there's a that's it's not quite so black and white.
1: And because I, I do see it black and white.
0: I know. No, I get that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't think it's quite that black and white because if you're looking at a band where people are I mean it's where it's not the full-time job, right? Even if it's the most important thing musically and it's first call for music and all of that, if your band is not the first priority for someone, you know, to earn a living or the, just the first priority in their life, then then it it does get to be, well, I'm doing this at least in part for the enjoyment level of it. Right. I mean, that's part of the, the, the pitch to, I, and I think this is probably true of everybody in the house rockers. um, They might not see it as black and white as you, but I'm not saying it doesn't work. It it seems to work great. In fact, but my guess is a, a lot of the reason those other nine guys are there is because you've created a vibe that not only gets them good gigs and, and that pay and all of that, but they get to have fun. They get to do this thing that they enjoy doing. If there's some aspect of it that's not enjoyable to them, I don't think they're going to stick around.
1: Well, I guess it depends on the degree of yeah, un- yeah unenjoyable right, how, the amount. Yeah, how difficult no, it's going to make them more money than most other situations they're going to find. So right, they, but
0: I don't think it's just the money for for everybody.
1: No, no, no. Definitely not for anybody. Uh, And what you're saying, I am aware of, right? Right. So again, it goes back to being a good leader. Here's why I I do see it black and white, right? It's in those grays where it feels to me, and this is probably the way I'm wired, Dave. But it's in those grays where you're much more creating a situation for universal dissatisfaction because everybody's interpretation in those grays is different, right? So for whatever reason, this is, and again, I'll be the first to say, this is one of the ways I run my life, right? I just kind of like hone in on process and think about, you know, what will work, what will get us from point A to point B. And I stick to it the best I can. And yeah. I'll be the first to admit, like it, Nick is a really good example. When Nick joined yeah. the band, um, you know, again, great player, great singer. The, the tacit agreement was you'll sing X. Yeah. As time went on, he wanted more. Uh, okay. Um, and, uh, I took me a long time to wrap my hands around giving him more. Huh? Because first it was like, but that wasn't the agreement. So first I go all the way back to, but well, right. wait a second, we had a few. And then, you know, kind of what, what. then you think about, all right, well, what is what is good for the band? And then you kind of get into these inner monologues where it's like, all right, well, if I don't give what he wants and he leaves the band... Does that affect anything else in the band? And am I willing to take the time to rebuild again? Right. Which is something all band, like you're saying, yeah. you're saying about this fragile, right? Yeah. You have oh, to if, weigh-
0: Nick, if Nick left, right, and and I and I don't mean to to deprioritize people, but but for, as an outsider looking in, I would think, and and no offense to anybody, but that Nick leaving would cause more fragility. Amongst your other members, forget about w- what you may or may not be able to market, right? But just among the in- the interpersonal stuff, Nick leaving, I the think, would, would cause a, a more fragility than, say, you know, your your sax player leaving or your trombone player or something like that, right? I mean, he, I just –
1: Things have to show.
0: He sings, right. So everybody's going to be like, okay, wait a minute. This is a major change. Yeah. And that's where that fragility comes from, where everybody's like, okay, you know, now that we're changing things dramatically, I have some ideas, you know, and that's where, to your point though, as a leader, you've got to be right on top of that. Right on top of it. Yeah. 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 You got to drive that bus. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. I, yeah.
1: Yeah. The the management of personnel is a thing, right? It is. and again, the management personnel has to do with your style as a leader, yeah. your style, your style of decision making as a band. Yeah. Well, and what's your band's business model?
0: I mean, I, yeah. I, I like that that question. It it's because it doesn't come up a lot. That's that's um, it's very interesting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. A lot of guys just say, "Let's let's get a band together and let's get some gigs." Right. And that's the business model. But you know, but that's not a business people- model. Right.
0: Not not long term. Something else will emerge from that. Just, you know, if you've got three people, even let alone five or ten, if it's just this, you know, okay, great grassroots, we're all doing what we do. This is awesome. Let that go for five years. A business model will emerge. You will have people doing different jobs and different roles. And maybe it you just have the magic mix and everybody just, you know, kind of flourishes in their own, uh, you know, in their own way. And it works great. And maybe it doesn't.
1: But <laughs> that is magic mix thing. I've heard of that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Fling has. I mean, and I, you know, I say that Fling has this magic mix. It, it does. It is not perfect. Right. I mean, like that would be impossible to have it be absolutely perfect. But it's as close to perfect as I've ever experienced. Cool. Yeah. Which is great. Right. But I'm aware. I think we're all aware that it's like, okay, you know, you gotta, it's still this, you know, like a marriage or any kind of relationship. You you have to well, accept that's it. the people that you're involved in this with.
1: Is it perfect by design or is it perfect by serendipity? Did you join? You weren't the first drummer in that band, right? No, no. But you, I would imagine, you know, you guys, I would imagine that one of the reasons you got the gig on top of your chops was your amenability or your communication skills to say, you know, yeah, I can help the, you know, the website or whatever it is that you yeah. do. Yep. yep. And, you know, it, would you consider Russ the leader? Yeah. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So, yeah. so Russ, you know, was like, you know, all things considered. Yeah. Great player. Oh, and he's a nice guy. Oh, and, you know, he, he can do this stuff. Maybe keeping a look at. You know, an intuitive sense that, all right, we got five guys, all good players. We like each other. We're doing some stuff. Everybody's amenable to pitching and doing whatever. Right. That's that's a business model. We need we need.
0: Know? Right. But that's what I'm saying is this model just emerged, but but not without some attention paid to it. And, right. you know, nudging along the lines. Yeah, it's, right. it's cool. Hey, so we 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 stumbled into this uh, two weeks ago and and then about 15 minutes ago. So let's have this conversation about the language of rock and roll that that on stage communication right because it, and and that springsteen tune uh, because the night is a perfect example i don't like i didn't I, I mean i did grow up with that song i've heard it a million times but i never had played it before and i never paid enough attention to it before we played it to learn how the form goes. I know that there are times where that buildup happens and it gets big at the end of the buildup. And I know there's one time where that buildup happens and everything drops out. And that's Mm -hmm. a nice, that's a nice device, right? That Springsteen used in in crafting that tune and it works, right? You, You get this thing and it works. So the problem of course, was that when you gave me that big cue, it was like, Oh, this is the one that's different. This is the one that drops out. No, not really. You were just doing a rock and roll thing to show that we were building up. And uh, and I misinterpreted the language of rock and roll there. But (laughs) um, but so that that's a it's an interesting thing, though, right, to have and and you need to become well versed in this, I think, to be successful, especially in, in I think in any kind of band. I mean, even. Even a theater pit, I need to be able to, like, especially perhaps in a theater pit where something goes haywire on stage and, you know, the music director needs to be able to communicate very, very quickly and hopefully relatively quietly what's going to happen next.
1: Well, there's a whole bunch of um, spoken and non-spoken cues. A lot of these I got from my horn section because there's a whole language to this in big bands, right? So, for example, if if the leader of the section taps on his head— that means go to the head, go Go to the top top. of the song. Yeah. Right. If he holds up his fists, it means last time through. Right. right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and if he, if he does like the one finger in the air and spins it around, what does that mean to you?
1: One more time around, whatever the progression is.
0: Yes. Now that's always been what I learned. And, and probably from that same school, right. The, the, the playing with big bands, especially, you know, when I was in high school or whatever, um, that's where I learned that I did that once on stage. And the guitar player stopped <laughs> thinking that was like the, the end. It was like, no, no. But I mean, you know, we never sat down and said, okay, here's what the signals are. So I, you know, I couldn't really blame him, but it was like, wow, where did, like, how did you get to a point? And the, and another guy on stage was like, yeah, I thought you meant that was the end, like wrap it up. Like, huh? That's interesting. Now these weren't well, guys that had played in big bands before either. Right? So it, it was potentially the first time they had seen someone use this signal. But, yeah. um, yeah, it's interesting.
1: Yeah. You, know, you know, James Brown take it to the bridge, like right? Verbal cues like you are you are in the. Like That's what Joey says. In the pocket of the leader, whatever he wants to do, even if it's a democracy of a band, right. The guy fronting the band is the you know you never leave him with his pants down, right? Right. And so, and oh yeah, so, democracies.
0: You know, uh, there's no such thing as an onstage democracy. You may yeah. have you may have a democracy in terms of how you run the business model of your band, but. Definitely not on stage, (laughs) and it can. The leader can change. You know, it's usually like you said. Whoever is singing to singing the tune or delivering the tune, that's the person that's carrying the load, unless another decision's been made.
1: Well, that's it. And I've played with cats who just get this. And usually, when we have to hire, uh, you know, we've had like in our horn section. We've had some great players. I mean, we've had Grammy winners. We have, you know, guys who play for Huey Lewis and News and, you know, and the Doobie Brothers in their touring band. We've had access to some really, you know, our book is challenging. We get decently paid gigs. So if those guys have nothing else going on and they're available to sub, we've had a lot of those types of guys in the band uh, in our sub roster. And it's really cool. And that is the thing. And now those are pros. Right. It does not dawn on them to question a leader's choice about anything. Right. No. You just go, you not, not like, in the why, moment. Why, I mean, maybe
0: afterwards, maybe, why did you,
1: yeah. why, did you yeah. why did you, uh, you know, wh- you came in on the three instead of on the one and, you know, and you shoot someone, a, a stink eye, you know, they just deal with it. Right. And right. that's, that's a really important thing. And, um, I, I There are guys who get that, and there are guys who are really wrapped up in form you know in you know in technical perfection of some things <laughs> yeah and uh, you know I, I, here's the deal that's a that's a rocky road because everybody makes mistakes, right of course so you know you can want your band to be as perfect as possible, but to me, actually, I really you know you're on the assumption that everybody wants it to be very, 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 very good from there, I really value. Um, the ability for a band to improvise, I think that 's a different thing. I think if you look at most especially most cover bands, they learn the song and they learn the form of the song, and that 's their common agreement as to what 's going to happen on the song yeah, but I love still- the ability as a leader that if you see people getting into something that you do something to let it go rather than ending a song that 's kind of how you run a show you know from the front of the stage. yeah if people are really getting into it into a jam or or you know into a groove, dancing is starting to happen. Why would you want to end a song? Well, it depends you know, on the, it chance. depends
0: on the band, right? And I'm I'm totally with you. I love that that kind of stuff where you can react in the moment either to what's happening in the room because people are into it, or if something you know if somebody's really blowing hard on stage, it's like man, let him go. Like this is killer, right? That kind of stuff is great with certain types of music, but if you're out there playing prog rock, prob maybe not. It depends on the tune, right? Yeah you know if you're if you're playing you know rush tunes, no, like that that starts to get really dicey if you if your tune isn't just you know a b a b c a b a b c c end, right? It's like all right, we'll do C another time. that's fine. well, when your tune's got like you know when you're going to m in terms of your form sections, that gets dicey to start trying to call audibles and it it yes. sort of depends on the band, right and it depends on the music you're playing but i'm I'm with you that with most of the music that we play. Uh, and I mean, we, in terms of all of us here and listening, yeah, there's, I mean, there's, there's a benefit to that. Um, the, 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 the form thing is funny, right? Because it, it is important for the whole band to learn the form of a song, right? And, and have a common working knowledge of, yes, this is the way we play this song and it's this form. Um, but you have, even if you don't leave room for, that you know, extending the jam or anything like that, you have to leave room for mistakes. I mean, because otherwise you have a real problem. I remember when we were playing, because um, Dwayne Dwayne Straw, great bass player, really funny guy, uh, and and I mean that I don't mean like you know we laugh at him, we laugh with him. He's he's like really funny and has this this quirky sense of humor that's awesome, especially on stage. But he is a form guy, right? And there are times when that's really helpful to have on stage. But I remember one time we started that cure tune um, uh, just like heaven. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think actually, I think I screwed it up. I played the the intro drum part um, and I started one beat off or something. And so Dwayne came in where Dwayne knew to come in because he knows the form and this is how it shall be. And everyone else came in and followed me. And it's like, okay, well, I get it. And and so Dwayne, Dwayne, Chris and I are all kind of looking at each other and it's like, um, hey, uh, okay, you know, the defense stipulates you're correct. However, all the rest of us are over here. So in this instance, you're actually now wrong. You know, like you're not playing with the band. Yes. Based on where we started eight bars ago, you are still correct and good on you for holding that torch, man. But you got to put it out. You got to come over here. Cause we're yep. playing a song on stage. So, and he did, you know, but it, it took him, <laughs> took him a little while. Cause that's, that's Dwayne. It, he will learn the song exactly the way you tell him to learn it. And that's, and like I said, that's huge. But, um, but sometimes, you know, you gotta, and he did, he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I
1: see. It, it's the letter of the law versus the spirit of the law.
0: You got it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. 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 Yeah, man. Yeah. Fun stuff. All right. Well, I feel like that's good. Yeah?
1: good. yeah, good for the week. All right,
0: that's good. Yeah, I got a crazy week. We'll see how it uh, we'll see how it all goes. I'm I'm looking forward to this bitter pill show, though. Totally different. Um, a lot of different people involved.
1: Hey, Should Dave, while you're doing bitter pill, yeah, always be performing.
0: Yeah, man, <laughs> folks, GiggapPodcast You'll find links to everything there. We'll see you there. Have a great week.